Hi everyone, my name is Julie and this is my senior capstone. For this assignment, I wrote a speech and created a correlating blog to accompany it. Here I have a little introduction page and here I have two blog posts about my topic. I know this was not required for the speech assignment, but I really enjoy writing so this was just for fun for me. And on this page, I've linked my speech outline as well as my recorded version of my speech in this PowerPoint on these three buttons. My speech combines elements of my major minor courses. As a student at Worcester State, I feel like I've lived two lives here. On one hand, I'm a communication major and I am also a public health student. But no matter how many classes I take, the two fields always seem to connect. Even if my professors don't realize it, in every course I've taken from media crit to global health, the topic, the topic always seems to relate to one another. The purpose of this speech is to explore that connection through the comparison of men and women's health magazines. I hope to persuade you all into the realization that the health magazine's portrayal of health is not accurate. My thesis is a little long, so for the sake of simplicity, I will condense it for you. Health magazines use varying communication techniques to sell a hegemonic and idealized image of health that is not accurate. Throughout this speech, I've explored different techniques health magazines use to target men and women differently, including language, advertisements, and content. Last semester, I completed a research project on the social media trend Fitspiration. For my senior capstone, I wanted to stay on the same trend of health communication, but I wanted to narrow it in on a specific medium, which in this case is magazines. When you open up a woman's health magazine, you'll notice a lot of nudity. This is done for several reasons, but the main reason is to emphasize women's muscle tone. In some cases, a woman's head will be completely cut out of an image, so the focus is specifically on her body. When you open men's health, you'll notice some differences. The language is stern and borderline mean. When I was researching the Men's Health Magazine website one day, I tried to exit out of the site and a pop-up appeared on my screen that asked if I wanted to either subscribe to their newsletter or if I wanted to stick with my bad habits. This is, of course, in opposition to women's health where the language is fun, upbeat, and annoyingly positive. You'll read phrases like knockout legs or how to rock your bikini this summer. The differences in language reinforce the idea that this is how each gender expects to be spoken to. In men's health, meanwhile, white men are portrayed more than black men and men's health does not offer an alternative represented body type aside from the stereotypical white, lean, very little body fat male image. The publication also refrains from discussing any all-male activity. For this project, I read a book from the library on the history of men's health and I learned that gender is one of the leading factors in health-making decisions. Women are more likely to take better care of themselves because they are more likely to take care of others. Meanwhile, men are less likely to complain if they are feeling sick or if they are injured. I'll give you a good example of this. Last year, my boyfriend completely shattered his collarbone and ended up having to have a huge plate put in as well as screws to keep it intact. He was, I'm sure, in agony, but tried very hard not to go to the hospital because he didn't want to seem dramatic. And I'm sure for him, it was emasculating to admit that he needed medical assistance. Men are also more likely to engage in risky behavior, like I'm sure whatever my boyfriend was doing when he fell and shattered his shoulder. And they are also more likely to push through an injury. If they play a sport, they are less likely to report an injury in an effort to play through it. This is how men's health magazines support a stereotypical ideology of masculinity. It's 2019 and I'm sure everyone's heard the phrase, it's a lifestyle, not a diet. 
This is something that I've been trying to fit into my research over the past year, and I think this is the perfect opportunity to do so. I really want to discuss with you all how magazines enforce diet culture. Diet culture doesn't have an exact definition, so I'm going to give you my best definition of it. To me, diet culture is America's obsession with the latest fitness craze or diet that will help them achieve a toned figure as well as achieve optimal health. It's important that Americans eat healthier. Our diet is literally referred to as SAD, the standard American diet. Years ago, this used to mean eat more vegetables, drink more water, and maybe don't drink cans of soda because it's crap. Well, today the answers are not so simple because diet culture found ways to confuse us all. If you open Women's Health right now, you'll find a hundred different ways to substitute food. This can be anything from rice, bread, to pasta. I think I might explode if I see one more way to use cauliflower as a substitute of rice. This is all coming from someone who is very passionate about health and wellness. I really do, do enjoy eating healthy, but I am also a firm believer in eating real food. And to me, carbs aside, rice is real food. A 2016 study that analyzed the top five best-selling women's health magazines conducted that 5% of all the articles published were devoted to weight loss. Based on the research I did for this assignment and research I've conducted for previous projects, I can conclude that women are more likely to be affected by diet culture than men because women are easily marketed to. We learn in media crit that the portrayal of women in the media is often a result of male gaze. While I don't think the male gaze plays a huge role here, it was interesting to see that there are four female editors of Women's Health as in comparison to only one male CEO-in-chief of Men's Health. It seems to me that each magazine has a stereotypical portrayal of each gender because of an already in place and socially constructed ideology of what a healthy man or woman looks like. So to wrap up here, you'll note, oops, excuse me. So to wrap up here, you'll notice that the title of my project is called Selling Health. I don't mean this in a literal sense. Magazines know that pills and supplements don't sell well. What sells is this almost unattainable, never will be good enough idea and plight for the perfect image. Selling this image and idea to men and women is how magazines make their money. 10 years ago, exercise was not nearly what it is today. Today, the fitness industry is a multi-billion dollar entity and there are millions of cult-like ways to exercise. People pay hundreds of dollars a month for gym memberships and fitness classes when fitness can be free if you really wanted to. I think there's this unspoken social concept that if you don't have a gym membership or if you have no interest in taking a soul cycle class, then you don't care about yourself. I don't believe this to be true at all. Some people really do hate the gym and you shouldn't hate exercising. Exercise doesn't have to be be this intense, sought-out event. It can be as simple as going for a walk or a run, maybe doing something outside like riding a bike or doing yard work. Fitness is entirely what your own idea of it is. Over the past two years, I've conducted extensive research on gender disparities in the media. Out of all the assignments I've completed, this was by far the most difficult because the disparities are so subtle. As consumers of media, we've consistently been fed an idea of what a healthy person looks like. We accept the, the ideology of a toned, airbrushed model on a magazine as the pinnacle of health because it's the only representation we've ever seen. Two years ago, I did an assignment for global health on international health care. I've interviewed a man from England, and I will never forget what he told me about Americans and health. He told me that Americans equate physical attractiveness with overall health and well-being, which is not the case in England. 
Him saying this not only changed my entire perception of fitness, but it made me realize that every article I read, magazine I bought, or Instagram account that I followed would never give me the answers to achieving the perfect figure because it does not exist. Magazines understand this and use it to sell a hegemonic idea of health derived from stereotypes and gender disparities. Thank you all for listening. This has been my senior capstone. I hope you all enjoy.